Hey everybody, this is Nate. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to tell you how you can help Thanks Be to Pot. Podcasting is not cheap, especially for two recent seminary graduates. So if you like the content that we're bringing you, if you want to hear more stories about Christians who are finding Christian community, and if you want to hear about the churches and the Christian communities that are getting it right, then consider becoming a patron on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thanks be to pod. For just $1 a month, you can help make this show possible. We do offer some exclusive things to our patrons, including uncut interviews and a once a month Google Hangout. So if you are interested in helping out the show financially, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash thanks be to pod. The free way to help out the show, yeah, I said free, is to write us a review on Apple Podcasts to show you how grateful we are for your kind words. We are going to buy the first five people that write us a review after this episode releases a cup of coffee. So if you're listening right now and you want a free cup of coffee, just pause the episode, head over to Apple Podcast and write us a review. Take a screenshot of your review and send it to thanksbetapod at gmail.com and we'll send you in return either a Venmo for a cup of coffee or if you live near Colby and I, we'll actually take you to get a cup of coffee. So that's it. That's all I wanted to say. Here's today's show. None of this makes any sense. None of this matters. Um, God isn't real. Uh, why am I here? What what purpose do I have being in this building um, and professing faith in this this God that I can't see and that I don't even know exists? So you can see why. I have so much beef with the church. Yeah. Episode one, you heard about my start to deconstruction. Episode two, you heard from Nate about deconstructing in university settings. So it only makes sense that in our final movement of this deconstruction series, we turn to y'all. I took to the streets the literal and digital streets to hear from some of you about how exactly you started deconstructing. Now, I will say, if you haven't heard our first two episodes, I'd encourage you to go check those out first. We've laid some solid groundwork in those episodes for what we will be talking about on today's episode. My name is Ty. I'm Mackenzie Steele. My name is Andrew Steele. I grew up in the Church of Christ denomination. I was um, a pew baby. So from my earliest moments, I was in a pew learning VBS and all those types of things. I thrived in that environment. I was exactly what, um, they wanted me to be. And I was applauded and lauded for it. Ty McKenzie and Andrew are all early supporters and listeners of thanks be to pod. All of them grew up in mainline churches and all of them remember explicit moments where the Bible and their church leaders have said Christians should think and believe one thing while they were wanting to live differently. Despite having issues with the church, I still love the church. Um, that was one of the biggest feelings of loss for me when I went through this, this major change in my faith was that I feel like I'm losing my identity. Um, and a lot of my identity was the church. I, th I think I really struggled with 
church community, wherever we've been, religious community, wherever, really being able to be authentically myself. Because I've always been told that that, that wasn't acceptable, that that wasn't allowed, or that that was sinful um, to be allowed to be vocal and have opinions and express those in a way that um, has some authority. For me, my deconstruction kind of catalyst was an interaction that I had with a youth minister when I was probably a junior in high school, I think is what I've been able to date it back to. Um, and it was the first time that kind of like the like the blessed assurance, the like complete, um, my 100% faith got its first kind of like chink in it. Of where I was like, oh wait, there might be more to this. There might be something else going on um, in all of this. So a lot is at stake when we start deconstructing. We go our whole lives believing a strict, particular mindset on being Christian, and then we are exposed to all these new alternatives. For Ty, he started to deconstruct internally during a church service, while with a community of folks who were on the whole starting to deconstruct as well. But for Andrew, it was a radical statement from his youth pastor, who ironically is now one of my good friends. This radical statement from his youth pastor started him on a path of reconsidering how his faith should inform his relationships in the world. So my youth minister and I, we were actually just out playing disc golf together, like all great ministries begin. And um, we were just walking around the course, having a conversation, and we weren't from my memory of it, we weren't talking about anything deep or life-changing or I wasn't making any crazy confessions. Um, but as he was talking about his life and some of the things he was doing, um, he just kind of mentioned that he had recently been hanging out with some of his gay Christian friends. Um, and that was the first time I had ever heard both of those things together, that someone was able to be a part of the LGBTQ community and also practice any kind of faith. Um, the tradition I grew up in um, was not affirming, was not a welcoming place. In fact, they would probably be the opposite of they would um, intentionally go about, you know, teaching the faith in a way where those people would be excluded from it or at least be called sinful for their practices. And so here was this youth minister whom I had learned so much from that I respected greatly, who by the fruits of his life, participated in the spirit of God, and yet he was able to hold these two identifiers together um, in a way that didn't make him uncomfortable. And I just remember kind of the rest of the day and even that week just thinking about that and being like, well, how could that be? Or not even how could it be? I wasn't upset by it. I was so interested by it because it seemed that there was a beauty there to be able to see that type of um, love and compassion into another human person. Um, and so I began to be like, okay, here's this person holding this truth together. And here's this Jesus person that I love so much and have, um, been getting to know my entire life. And it very much seems like Jesus practice towards the people would be much the same as this youth minister who's been, I've been hanging out with and getting to know quite well. Depending on when we encounter deconstruction in our lives, Ty McKenzie and Andrew reveal the various impacts it can have on our identities. We end up with imperfections in our faith to God that drastically impact our relationship to the church 
Christianity, and even our own identity. Yeah, I found myself, like when I got to college and started looking into the kind of treasure trove of different interpretations, I found myself wanting to be like, wanting to call my home church and be like, wait, have you guys heard about any of this? Because like, I know we're all really confused about what to do, but this kind of permits us all to hold everything together and just sit with it at least, right? As I had these conversations, I quickly realized the privilege Ty, Andrew, and I had within our deconstruction stories. We at least had the luxury of following our callings within fundamentalist or biblical literalist churches. Whereas Mackenzie, she really didn't. I think because of growing up Church of Christ, which I know you guys touched on a little bit in the first um, episode, but um, just in a conservative religious background and growing up as a woman, um, there was inevitably a level of this is how I feel, but this is what's being taught um, tension that I always felt because of my gender. Um, but I think the like the reality of that actually coming to a point and where I was like, wait, this is actually like, this is the catalyst for right really questioning that. Like, I think there was always tension there, but there wasn't really a finite point until like my senior year of high school. Um, and there was this whole situation that happened at my church that was based out of, wait, but you're a woman, so you can't do these things. I was being told by some people that I could, and by some, then the elders stepped in and were like, no, you really can't. <laughs> and um, that happened right before I went to college. So I was like, well, wash my hands of this. <laughs> like, I can go, and I'm going to Lipscomb, and I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go prove them all wrong and be my own woman or whatever. So yeah, uh, I yeah. guess you could, <laughs> so I guess you could say my, uh, my deconstruction, that was the catalyst point. Um, but it had been in the works for probably most of my life because of my gender. Mackenzie was predispositioned to deconstruct solely because of her gender. She isn't alone in that. Whether it is because of your socioeconomic status, race, gender identity, sexual orientation, age, or differing abilities, some of you are forced to deconstruct because the current systems in place not only don't contribute to your human flourishing, but push you towards the margins while doing so. So you can see why people might turn away from Christianity and the church as they see these things happening. Here I've grown up in this church that has shaped me and formed me in such wonderful ways and I've built such meaningful relationships. And yet I've also seen the flip side of that church as well. I've seen the underbelly and some of the abuses of power and some of the um, drama and politics that dr often drive churches as well. And so um, going into grad school, I really want, or going into undergrad, excuse me, was trying to figure out how can people follow this Jesus character and this Jesus man and end up so far away from some of his teachings and feel so gung-ho positive that they're doing it right? 
when it seems very clearly that the text is asking them to change their practices in different and more meaningful ways. And it's just so hard because we all see that side of the church inevitably, eventually. We see the underbelly that exposes the church for when it's making mistakes, when it's going down the wrong paths, when it's encouraging us to do the wrong things, when in reality, spinning it in a different light, looking at a different interpretation, we see the love and the goodness that can come out of this text that can inspire human life both back then and presently. These exposures to the underbelly of Christian communities caused Ty to question whether the church was important whatsoever. Ty and I had the privilege of attending the same campus ministry together at Florida State, where we were both opened up to deconstruction. Ty told me he remembers sitting in that church during a sermon, feeling completely normal and routine. And then... I, I don't know what it was that the, the pastor said, um, but I just remember going like full nihilist immediately. <laughs> and so it was a pretty overwhelming moment, I think, for me. Um, because I... You know, I, I've had sort of experiences with that kind of thought process before where I thought like, to, you know, is this is this real? Is this just because we're scared of dying and we need something to to give us um, some kind of uh, something to look forward to after that moment? Um, but, you know, this was different. This is like while I'm here none of this matters. None of this makes any sense to me. Um, why, why do I need to be in this room? Why do I need to, to follow the Bible? Sitting there listening to Ty, I was so aware of all the moments I had felt the same. To me, these experiences always felt incredibly dark and lonely, but Mackenzie highlighted an important point. Deconstruction is a human process uh, beyond faith and like the Christian world. Like it's a, it's a, like relatably human process for everybody. And even Ty admits that these moments of nihilism help him take inventory of the authenticity of his faith. If you are a person of faith, uh, it's a good way to kind of reset. When you get sort of too far down this rabbit hole of um, just having these existential questions, to go back to, well, none of this matters. And none of this is real and nothing in my life is ever going to affect the world in any positive or negative way in the grand scheme of things, et cetera, et cetera. You can kind of build back up from there. Though I don't recommend going full nihilist for everyone, it does seem it can help guide you to what truly matters in your life. Ultimately, I think we have times where we're hypercritical of Christianity and the institutional church, though we might not put it as plainly as Ty. I mean, even Mackenzie in an effort to be her own woman, which we are all here for, I might add, takes some swift jabs at biblical interpretation. I think to really be like authentic um, and true to like myself and for the people that I know who have faced the same thing, um, there's, an, there's an absolute necessity to say like, hey, this is the way that uh, white privileged men have always interpreted this, but that doesn't mean that that's the... Uh, that's the whole experience or the whole truth. 
So we named in episode one that we never really stop deconstructing. Though we could sit here and continue to criticize Christianity and the church, I started asking everyone some new questions. How do you all feel like deconstructing is informing how you operate in the world? Immediately, they all started talking about how important cultural context is for their faith. After beginning deconstruction, we must start looking at why the writers were motivated to write what we have in the Bible. For Andrew, cultural context did not shatter his beliefs. He was actually ecstatic to find answers to the questions he had been asking. Thinking back to my upbringing and all the questions they were always trying to answer for me, and in class it would be like, wow, that is such a better question to be asking, or that's such a more life-giving question to be giving to the text rather than how do I gain access to salvation or how do I share this thing with another person who might never have believed before in the past and get them to come to church with me. It's like, wait, there are so many other more interesting things happening in the text that might um, bring about more human flourishing and beauty into the world. And that's what I was passionate about and interested in. But ultimately, Mackenzie and Andrew had an important decision to make. Now that they had started deconstructing, what types of churches could they realistically see themselves participating in? Andrew and Mackenzie actually chose to move from Nashville to help themselves commit to this new progressive Christian lifestyle they were pursuing. Um, That's when we made a change in our marriage and our life where we ended up moving out of Nashville, kind of away from that insular COC bubble that we had really built ourselves into and said, we need to kind of get away from this for a little while in order to figure out who are we next? Who are we now with this shared language that we've learned together and become passionate about? And we realized we couldn't really do that in the context that we were in. And so that's when we moved out to Chattanooga and began just figuring out who we were and who we were going to be. One of the most interesting things about being here um, is that there is no expectation for us and how we're supposed to act and be. I think part of being in Nashville, the pressure that we felt was we're still around all these people who told us, all of our professors who were like, we need you two to be in ministry at a church. Like, you need to be doing it. You need to be doing it together because the church needs you. Like, there was that just, like, really heavy expectation. Came out of a really beautiful place that they just had a lot of, like, faith and hope in what we could do. But the reality on of what how that felt for us was just lots of pressure um, that we couldn't live up to. And um, we didn't want to let them down and all of these things. Like there's just a lot of that, um, that we felt coming out of Nashville. And so coming here, it was like breath of fresh air that we don't have, like, there's people we work with who don't know any of our history. There's, I mean, even in our church community and being in people, being with people who are from the same community that we came from in Nashville, um, it was different time frames and different things. We don't have cross relationships with people. And so we can still exist in a way that for the most part is more true to who we want to be. 
we find this idealist perspective, but when you look through this, when you look through the scriptures, you look through the gospels, like none of this is ideal. Um, like there's always some, no matter what, there's always some kind of other in, in this text. And it's how do we bring all of these people together? And you're right, it is complicated, but there's never, there is never an ideal situation, even in, even in the text that we look to as guidance. Like there's never, there is never a point where everybody is on the same page. But even in the midst of humanity's flaws, Ty continues to believe there's something important going on here. And I'm inclined to agree. Even though humanity fails time and time again to get on the same page and truly agree on the message of Christianity, we still keep coming back. And I often wonder, does the church deserve another chance? I mean, we've given it so many. With its history of hurting and pushing people away from Christianity, should we try again? Right now, at this moment in my life, I believe we should. That doesn't mean I always have believed that. But we have to start talking and thinking differently about this book that we hold so tightly. In the same way as Mackenzie and Andrew, Ty feels little to no frustration with his personal beliefs, but instead has frustrations with the church as an institution. At this point, I'm okay with, with the idea of something that I can't see. Um, and um, there's a there's a kind of this grand mystery to it that is exciting to me. Um, and I to kind of go back to this, you know, what happens after we die? Are we scared of that? Is that why all of this exists? At least personally, um, like I've kind of come to terms with the fact that I'm going to die someday, and what happens after that will either be something really amazing or I'm not going to care because I'll be dead. Where I sort of align with my faith at this point is that um, that this this book and the, the content of this book is good. Um, and I think even in some of the stuff that we find that like we find to be negative, like, I think that there is good to be found in that as well. I think when we came to Chattanooga, I was driven by a new type of questions. And I think during the interview process, when I was interviewing with churches, I was always frustrated by the interview questions because I never thought that they were very good or interesting or helpful to the community or the context that they were a part of. Um, it was very much trying to recite the right statement of belief. And I was always thinking of like this statement or creed doesn't help you interact with the people in your community or the people in your neighborhood any better. And so when we came to Chattanooga, I was very um, interested in wanting to find communities of Christians who were listening to the neighborhoods and the school system and the politicians around them and then holding them to a, a standard of um, grace, justice and redemption that they long to see here on earth if Christ was fully present among them. And I think we've always been looking for places that were willing to practice justice in such a way that granted 
the poorest and the most desperate am- amongst us mercy so that they might know the presence of God socially, economically, um, and also from kind of this grandiose salvation perspective. The nature of like the relationships we have here necessitate like one continued deconstruction. Like there's no like end in sight for for deconstructing. That's something, and it's and also to say like it's the most relevant story that I have to interact with people here. Is to say, yeah, I've been where you are, or we're in the same place, even though I have all these degrees or all this information. Like doesn't change the fact that I still feel the things that you feel because I'm human (laughs) and like that like deconstruction is a human process uh beyond faith and like the Christian world like it's a it's a like relatively human process but it's also something you have to grapple with at least eventually is like shoot if I start saying that the bible has bias and perspective folded in, folded into it. I also have to understand that if I'm wrong about this, <laughs> like my my eternal resting place is at stake here. So it yeah, yeah there's like bet. so much on the table. Mm-hmm. But good lord, do I feel free uh, on yeah. the other side? That's, such a good that's all yeah. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> So here's the deal. The point of sharing all these stories of deconstruction, and we most certainly aren't done doing that, is first and foremost to show that the ways we relate to God, the Bible, Christianity, the church, and each other are deeply personal and unique stories. No one can take that from you. The ways you experience the divine stirring in the world are for you and you alone. But at the same time, know that you are not alone. You are not alone in your confusion. You are not alone in your frustration. You are not the only one questioning whether to sustain your relationship with a religion that has deep, deep roots in being on the wrong side of history by perpetuating slavery, racism, sexism, classism, and countless hateful crimes and words against LGBTQ plus individuals. However, I believe that there's still something redeemable within the muck and manipulation of the church. I believe there's hope and human flourishing somewhere wrapped up in the Christian tradition, even amidst the fear-based evangelism tactics of the past. So, If you think there might be something good there too, or if you're the furthest from being able to say that, we really think this podcast community can serve you. If you want to believe in Christianity, or if you're ready to toss it and move on, we believe Thanks Be to Pod can appeal to your needs and interests. Thanks Be to Pod is intended to be a digital home a technological Airbnb to retreat to and ask questions with people that are just as jaded and perplexed with the church as you are. God, I know I am. Thank you all for trusting Nate and I as we journey into the waters of progressive Christian community together and hear each other's stories and listen intently for how we can be better humans to one another.
Y'all are the reason that we do this. We are tired of hearing stories of friends and colleagues broken and confused about whether Christianity is for them, whether they are included in the arms of God that seem far too short-reaching based on who you're talking to. It's time for all of us to come together and offer a different narrative. Thanks be to God that that time is now. This is Andrew Steele and Mackenzie Steele from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Thanks for listening to this episode. Your hosts have been Nate Dove and Colby Long. Shout out to the Lava Goals for the theme music. Special thanks to Ty Ravel and Andrew and Mackenzie for being guests on the episode. If you want to hear more of our conversations with Colby, consider donating to Thanks Be to Pod on Patreon, where you'll get access to the unedited conversations. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a review. Until next time. This has been the Word of Pod for the people of Pod. Thanks, Thanks be to Pod. pod.